Last minute <laughs> to put calls on what we should or should not talk about. Motherfucker. Hey, everybody. Hello and welcome. Welcome back. I know it took like, a couple weeks off from RSF Radio, but I am I'm jazzed up and I am good to go. I've got the, the fire in me. There were some announcements. But before we kind of get into all the, the meat that we're going to talk about, I kind of want to cover like some of the last couple weeks or so that we missed just kind of like give like big thumbs up before we talk before i introduce Arliath, who's also here hi Arliath. Hey. yourself uh we'll get to you in a minute but uh we ran the the queens of quarantine tournament which was the the all women tournament head, head up by cynthia which was a phenomenal success i thought uh, so like, congratulations to everybody involved with that. Uh, there was the big announcement of what the plans are for street fighter five. Dan's coming as a, as your resident Dan apologist. I am extremely happy about that. Look for more information in the future about a only Dan's tournament that <coughs> is in the works. There's like drew face drew did a whole thing and it was beautiful. And we may we've made this silly thing into a much bigger thing and hopefully like it might be like for charity or some shit like that we don't know yet this is like a, a last night when i was like like literally 3 a.m kind of drunk out my being like hey what if we did a and drew's like yeah man yeah I'm like why the fuck are you awake anyway our is here hey man how you doing it's been a while been a while dude it has thanks for having me again oh it's a pleasure to have you on it really it's like I couldn't use the same picture from before because I had wiped that the drive of the old stuff. So I got all new stuff now. Anyway, before we get into the meat of the show, when I have guests on, I let them do a pitch at the start of the show so people can't avoid it. So where can people find you? What are you working on? What do you want to send people towards? Like, what do you got in the works? Because you, you always got something going on. I do. So I'm Arliathon, Twitter and YouTube. I haven't really put a whole lot on out on youtube lately um although i've been working on i guess third strike related stuff so uh cats out of the bag on this one we are going to be putting in third strike frame data in uh, frame assistant tool sick so the problem is that there is so much specific information on these moves like for example if you get hit by akuma's fierce uppercut while crouching and you're not point blank like only the first hit will touch you and the rest will just miss unless you're a certain size of character it's like all sorts of like weird stuff like that which would yeah. get you murdered in any other in in third strike <laughs> for making one mistake so we it's you know we got to do this except i'm doing this basically by myself um there's one other person who's willing to help out but uh it's it's mostly on my shoulders 
So for those of you who are counting, it took Arlaya three minutes before he started talking about Third Strike. Three minutes. Uh, <laughs> and most of those three minutes was the intro song. So it's, that's how long it took, folks. For those of you playing at home, that's three minutes on the clock was how long it took Arlaya <laughs> to bring up Third Strike. So mark that on your bingo card. Anyway, uh, no, that's fucking rad, dude. That's, that's really cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, is that, is that going to drop in the... Uh, you said Fightcade, right? Um, well, I mean, this is for the app. Oh, oh. For FAT. Right. I don't know why I was thinking of tool assisted or no. I'm getting all my, I'm getting all my apps mixed up, man. Uh, but regardless, that seems like a nightmare, uh, working around trying to put think like a game that specifically doesn't work with like being constrained inside of a grid to fit inside of an Excel spreadsheet. I do not envy that task whatsoever. Uh, but that's not what we are really here to talk about. So the big news from last week, wasn't last week already? I forget how time works. Being furloughed has really, really screwed up my brain. Still haven't worked since March, uh, by the way. It's kind of, but anyway, so Ono is stepping down or he was fired it wasn't exactly clear in that message, but he is no longer going to be at Capcom, no longer going to be the producer of Street Fighter V continuing or Street Fighter VI uh, in whatever future that may come. Uh, but along with that, it seemed to me, and I want to set up this show in a way, and I'm really glad to have our life here on the show as someone who was part of the lived history of the fighting game community during the resurgence of fighting games circa 2009, 2000, well, really like 2007 is like when it really started because that's when like the arcade cabinets were coming out and then like that's when the big fervor was happening. That's when like we could hear news about things coming along the line. Uh, so I'm glad to have you here to kind of work through that because something that I've realized and I've talked about on the show before when uh, Esteban was on the show, the best of on, uh, because he's making fighting game documentaries that there was really a lack of documented information of what happened, what led up to all of the, like who was involved in all this stuff, what was actually happening behind the scenes versus what stories people were told, uh, be it in interviews, what was actually documented, but what really doesn't line up with first person or first hand or second hand accounts. And because it really does seem, and I was talking to Arliath before we started recording, that does seem like this is the, the best of It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a tale of two cities. There are two lived realities that people kind of live in that like, if if you didn't if you don't know you don't know but how would you find out this information and the way that it has been told has been this like oral history a of to of everybody telling stories or after a a certain uh, a lo after your local or after a large tournament uh, your evos your combo breakers where everybody is together hanging out and spending the weekend together you kind of start, you start to tell stories and stories match up and line up with what you have heard, what someone else has heard about 
what was going on behind the scenes, which in the video game industry, things have always been so cloistered. And I guess that kind of makes sense with like the way that games are made. Like it takes a fucking long time to make a game. Uh, and the marketing for that needs to be planned out for, in like years in advance. So like it, it makes sense that a lot of it has been so uh, cloistered. A lot of the info has been cloistered from, official sources so before we kind of wade into our oral history of street fighter i suppose if you want to call it that i just do kind of want to give that preamble of like anyone could pick this apart and say hey this is all just first-hand or second-hand information like could like playing devil's advocate like none of this could be true so i'm i'm telling you this at the start of the show that none of this could be true but also telling you at the same time it's all true. Like, tr- <laughs> just like, trust, trust me on this one, man. Like you have to, you talk to enough people and everybody tells the same story. It's when people tell the exact same story that they've heard from different people where it's like, Oh, okay. So this horrible thing that I heard was actually true. Some of that we can't talk about on the show to protect our, uh, our people who we know who are still working in the industry, uh, people who have left Capcom, people who are still at Capcom. This is this is extended to everybody because like the, the the PR person role for Capcom in the U.S. side that has been a, a revolving door since two thousand. Yes. Like uh, we going back, like so many, like five people ago. Like how many yeah. people do and, I have to name? And there's NDAs. That, and yeah, some of, of these people are under yeah. NDAs. So, like, legally speaking, there are things that we can't be like, hey, this person said this, because then it's like, we're, it, it gets... They have to deny it. They have to deny it, right? Like, and it, it becomes, again, this weird situation where the recorded history of a thing, like, like legally speaking, can't be yes. the recorded history of the thing, which is, like, really frustrating when you see a lot of... Um, credence given to or a lot of work attributed to one person in the community when knowing all of these other stories being like that's not at all how this happened in fact yeah. everybody should be mad right now. like this is <laughs> your what are you fuck i'm taking crazy pills because it, it does things don't line up with the stories that people are told so again this is just one of those things where i know that this is, is hey I made this mistake uh, earlier this week, but making uh, making light of Ono leaving uh, leaving Capcom and maybe being glib about it, maybe that's a little bit crass. Uh, but if we could walk you through some of where that comes from, from like a uh, an oral history perspective of what we know about things that have happened, but also maybe kind of, we might have to stop this recording. This at some point be like, what do we need to cut out of this? So if there's like jumps and cuts, you'll know why. But anyway, I say all of that big preamble to kind of set you all up for this. Uh, this little uh, sit down a while, stay a while while we tell you, (laughs) while we spin you a tale of, of fighting games past because, I mean, in all fairness, a lot of people who are in, I would go as far to say that the majority of people who are into fighting games at this time were not around in in that era at all. So all of what they have heard or all of what they could possibly, all of the information that they can glean from like online, because you and I, before we even sat down for this, we're like, okay, let's actually look at... 
all right, so he worked at this for how many years? And then, mm-hmm. okay, that line, like just trying to make the, like making sure that the dates match so that we don't really speak out of turn. Right. Versus what is like publicly available, like the stories that are t- is like, oh, okay. So like we need to, we need to break all of this down. So I think the right place to start personally, maybe you think there's a different place to start here. I think the right place to start here is with Seth Killian. Okay. Is that is that agreeable? It's gonna no, be that, a, works. that we're works. Gonna, we're gonna do a little bit of a tangle no. here this entire time of like, can we? What are we gonna go? All right. I, I think this is relevant because the the recurring thing that keeps getting brought up whenever talking about Uno is, well, for all the bungling that he did on Street Fighter Five or Street Fighter Second or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is that at least he gave us Street Fighter Four, And it's kind of the, it, it looks good. It looks great in hindsight. We think of all the, the good times we had with it and not like all the other things that happened around the time. Cause it was a long time ago, right? Yes. It was, it was over. It was over a decade ago. It, it was, was over a decade ago. I couldn't drink beer at the time, <laughs> legally speaking, <laughs> and now I can. And now look at me, kids, stay in school. Uh, but <laughs> and I'll also say that um, in regards to, I guess, triangulating information and connecting the dots, there is a lot of information a lot of dots that get connected over Korean barbecue. So (laughs) knock it however you want, but (laughs) Korean barbecue meals take a long time and that's a lot of opportunity. You pull up to the hearth, the hearth of the KBBQ. (laughs) You flip to the green sign. my people. (laughs) You you flip the green, you let the people know, keep it coming. I need to tell you the story. We haven't even gotten into Neo G yet, sir. We need to start with Seth Killian. Let's start right here. And then we'll get into it. So So Seth Killian, Seth Killian, (laughs) <laughs> will be the uh, the brisket order of this. I think so. I think I think he's the the opener because that's yeah. where a lot of uh, personally that's where I think a lot of the story begins because we could go further back at, in Ono's history and talk about what happened before that, but I think that that is better revealed as the story goes along. So sure, let's start with also. The, also, I have to say, did you consider naming? Or titling this particular episode Capcom Confidential. I had not, but I'm going to. <laughs> I just write <laughs> that one down. Okay. Cap- Wait, or should I do Cap Confidential? Oh, you could. Could I portmanteau? Should I? Hmm, we'll figure. Mm, it out. No, we'll no, fi- Capcom Confidential. Nah, it it yeah. alliterates. It's fine. Yeah, your alliteration is good. Alliteration is good. Okay, continue. <laughs> All right. So, Ono, Yoshinori Ono. Before Street Fighter Four, he was the the sound producer, I believe, for Third Strike. Correct. Um, and then so, which means he didn't really have like actual production chops. And I don't know to what degree he really did all of the cheerleading and traction pulling at Capcom for to make Street Fighter Four a thing. So I suppose we can't take that away from him right the story that i was told and again this is all oral history so the story that i have been told from multiple sources is that it was given to him as a sound designer because they expected it to fail that that would line up 
like just and, the, the whole release date and all of that, like the pulling of it to happen. Granted, he could have wanted to be in charge of that product. I'm not saying that he wasn't excited to be the lead of that project. He had been a producer before that on, uh, uh, hold on, let me look real quick to make sure I get it right. There's a first producing job. It was with Chaos Legion for the PS2. And then some Capcom fighting jam was his first like fighting game as a as a producer. Well, I mean that we know what happened with that. It's Capcom fighting jam, dude. Can you fight as a car yeah. in that game? Anyway, uh, no, that's what was the other one? Capcom All Stars. That's that Capcom. I'm thinking of Capcom All Stars, which that is not on his resume. So, well, because it never got released. <laughs> I guess it didn't. Anyway, uh, so that that is the story that I have heard again. That is all secondhand, thirdhand information at this point through the number of people who we have, again, been on a revolving door, can't name names, but that is what right. I've heard. So uh, there are, so the tale of Street Fighter 4 needs to include two other key members. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is known to everybody, and that's Seth Killian, one of our own. And the story of Seth Killian is that you know that you know that clip or like if when the dude walks into the room with like a whole bunch of pizzas and going like hey i'm back (laughs) and everything's on fire and like someone's like bleeding out on like on the carpet and the community gif of like i left for 10 minutes and this is what happened yes so it was that with hitboxes and dimps already had a working prototype of the game and you know working with ono ono had a lot of friends at dimps Uh, dimps is actually comprised of a lot of ex capcom employees if i recall um but they're contracted for you know other things as well and dimps also worked on a couple fighting games like the Rumblefish series, I want to say. So it's not like they didn't have experience working with you know 3D games. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the Rumblefish and Street Fighter are two completely different beasts. And the way that it was first designed, it was using 3D modeled hitboxes tied to the model itself like as if it was Tekken. And how and, how do we know this, Sarlaya? Because this is is this insider information? How is this verifiable? So I heard this directly from Seth Killian himself. Well, okay, but I was trying to look for like the actual tech answer. That come on, it, get play it, with me, play with me in this space, <laughs> Like come on. But I know that's why I have you on the show. But I'm tossing you a different. This is the current. Okay, okay. but I was going to say you can also verify this for yourself in oh, certain. Well, you can see traces of this <laughs> just by looking up Street Fighter Four hitboxes, and you'll notice there are a whole bunch of attacks that have traditional style hitboxes on startup and active frames but during recovery it was like ah whatever we're good and you just see the traditional box hitbox disappear and it just turns into like a whole jumble of of triangles right polygons perhaps right they 
it, it resembles it quickly resembles Skullgirl's early hitboxes. If anyone understands yeah, we're that, we're already reference. talking about the past in such a <laughs> third party way. Like you have to. <laughs> I um, mean, but, that know, tracks I, for me. I understand what you're talking about. But, like, but man, you I mean, can't these... be referencing something else entirely. Okay, I mean, all right. So these. <laughs> Play so me, these hitbox models, these hitbox models look absolutely fucking horrendous. And it made attempting to zone and attack and things like that. It made it very difficult because you are introducing 3D style hitboxes in on a 2D plane. So how do you make a move exist and be active for five frames at a time or something right mm -hmm. when like it would require you to physically alter the trajectory and the rigging of the attack like you'd mm -hmm. have to slow it down somehow or have their foot extend physically for like one or two frames longer if you want the attack to have like four active frames it so it wasn't street fighter anymore it was just 2d tekken with uppercuts and fireballs like, it, it wasn't going to work. Yeah, it, it gets funky because you think about how those characters moved in that space. The one that comes to mind for me is like Sagat's Stan, Stan Roundhouse where like just in certain... It was like because like depending on what side of the screen he was on, it would like hit or not. Like all of the early Street Fighter Four stuff all tied to the models. And like you said, there's like... There's artifacts of this in the game as is. One of my favorites is Elena's... Was it a close stand hard kick or close or back hard kick? Mm -hmm. Where I think it's your back hard kick uh, versus Goken's uh, EX parry. Where if Goken EX parries that back hard kick, the hit follow up will whiff <laughs> because oh. of her, her fucked up recovery frames, dude. It's oh my the God. it's the fucking best. I love that shit uh, <laughs> of like a crazy what? hitbox. Of interaction. course it would. But I love crazy hitbox interactions. That's the best to me. I love Elena. I'm an Elena, Elena apologist. Also a Dan apologist, but we'll get into that later. However, that's how we know all this stuff. And like you can, we've seen it in, it's, it's in the game. You can look at it. Uh, but that's how things were leading up to, and like we're talking about like months before launch. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of time to redo everything. So that's why they prioritize startup and active frames and not so much recovery because like on, and that's also why trying to punish moves in street fighter four sometimes felt kind of janky. Like for example, Honda's headbutt that, that thing felt like it had the most random fucking recovery hitboxes. Like he, yeah. his body was literally just magically teleport at certain times. And it's because it was, it was literally following his, his model uh and there are countless other examples of this yeah geef main here fuck life punch but uh, <laughs> i just i'm just weird how i would so just uh, okay so seth <laughs> cool like so that. so seth realized he had a he had a problem on his, on his hands right and so what he did was he pulled every string he could and basically cashed in all of his political capital and goodwill within the company um, and event and got higher ups to look at it and, and all agree and like, okay, you have a point. This, 
this is not going to play like Street Fighter. It's not Street Fighter anymore. And so eventually, Dimps was forced to to retrofit old school hitboxes to replace as much as possible with whatever you know time that they had left um, with the newer hitboxes. And so they were so upset at this this American just coming in and just Gaijin smashing his way into what they thought they thought was a, a good product and a good job that they renamed the last boss to Seth because he was not originally named Seth. It should be blatantly obvious, but his original name was Kane. And they hand waved this saying, oh, well, you know, like Kane and Abel's younger brother was Seth. All right. So then where's Kane? What, where, is there a Kane character? No. Just wrote him out of the yeah. uh, Street Fighter lore. Ah, yeah. We have a couple so, hands, Illuminati, yada, yada, yada. Something yeah. happened. And... Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, and I should also say and emphasize that this was not a compliment. The, no. This was pretty much like, wow, we hate Seth so much. He is the final boss for, yeah. for, for our, our development of the game to get the green light. This goes back to what I was saying at the start of the show in that the recorded history, if you look back, most everything that I could find was all, oh, we loved, he was such a great influence on, we renamed the character Seth. And like, as if it was a positive thing. I even think like- Like in tribute. Like in tribute. Anything that I could, like most of the things that I could find or anything that like you could search online. So if you're looking through that information, you're trying to research the history of the fighting game community. More likely what you're going to find is that, oh, well, they, they loved working with it. It was, it was like an homage, but like for all intense reports for some firsthand, some secondhand of like, that's just, that's not how it was. It was, it was because they fucking hated him. Yeah. Also, uh, there were a number of other things that uh, Capcom USA nixed uh, during the development and planning stages of the game. Uh, the most egregious one being Rufus's original character design. Yeah, that one. I don't know about that one because I like, uh, I like Fat Rufus. But also, we did miss out on cool, like karate Black Rufus, American Rufus, which would have been. That would have been rad as well. Well, there was like a there was a a transitory period between cool black Rufus and fat white Rufus, and that was fat black Rufus holding a bucket of chicken. Okay, I've actually I've seen the art. I didn't know that that was real. Is that real? That was real. This is where that I'm was... gonna press you on that. Is that one for mm, okay? That Man, that was Street real. That, really that was not cannot... a bucket. It wasn't a bucket of popcorn. That was a bucket oh, of chicken. They, they really have struggled for years with uh, <laughs> with that one, huh? Yeah. Man. Yeah. They just so... they, put, they put DJ in the game. So who can who can say? God yeah. Damn. Well, DJ was an American design, so maximum pants all the way. Yeah. Uh, so the other person I need to mention um, that was instrumental in how Street Fighter Four came out was uh, Hidetoshi Ish- Ishizawa, also known to us as Neo G. Mm-hmm. And Neo G, I think, 
has been one of the most influential people in Capcom's in the fighting game division of Capcom's history. He was the battle director, or so to speak, for the golden age of Capcom. So the Alpha series, CBS series, uh, the Street Fighter Three series. You know, like he was there. Yeah, yeah, he was he was there, and one of the what's really funny is um if you really hate the balance of third strike and how chun li is an absolute dominatrix in that game just you know just a tyrant she's how, up. Up. she is she's she, she's a <laughs> she's oppressive and people because, have spent a lot of time with that game and it's it's pretty well known she's she's and that's because neo g thought it would be it would be uh cool or necessary to have a villain in the game that all other game balance had to revolve around like how well can you fight this utterly fucked up character and suffice to say you know in a way that kind of carried over into street fighter 5 with season one chun but regard you know but i digress um <laughs> so oh you can't so if you want to know where that idea came from right. at capcom it was it was Ishizawa, it was Neo G. And Neo G and Ono had a lot of arguments. A lot of arguments. And eventually, as Street Fighter 4 grew in um, prestige and influence, so did Ono's uh, position, relative position at Capcom. And Neo G was never really one to play like politics. He just wants to, he's a simple man. You know, he, he wants a fun game. He just want to make cool shit, drink beer, eat ramen and look at titties. And if you ever follow him on Twitter, oh my God, there's a lot of, there's a lot of titties. Fucking SNK heroines. Come on, man. Come on. I know. It's just, it's just who he, like, I, I've just had to come to terms with, if I follow He's, him on Twitter, this is what's going to happen. He belongs in horny jail forever. But Yes, he does. <laughs> I cannot deny he is not a savant when it comes to designing fighting games because we're this is this is golden era. Hey, he did like, Samurai Showdown. Yeah, exactly. He and came it back to Samurai like Samurai. It, it feels like Samurai Showdown. Sam Show plays pretty fucking good. Like I, I really like playing that game. That was a fun to play game. Yo, you get hit by a counter hit heavy slash oh and like you physically just... feel it in your soul. Man. It's like, Regardless. did you ever play CBS2 and use Hawamaru in that one? Because when you got hit by standing heavy punch with Hawamaru, that slash, he they intentionally added the Samurai Showdown 2 levels of hit stop. Oh, to freeze that. the game so realize that the game freezes for like i want to <laughs> say at least 45 frames or something create like everything just stops well, like the that, whole that, yeah, thing that's... stops. the the bus in the background stops <laughs> you know like everyone all the bystanders stop like that's that's, that's such the a kind of a beautiful homage to like sam show and sam show 2 where like you hit him with that heavy slash and like the game just goes you, you fucked it. and it's you are you see that heavy slash for like a saw you, like, you can time like it's a minute of I mean, you just go on like and like half your health bar man uh oh, Hamaru and Sam don't get me sorry on Sam show too 
It's a very good game. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's little touches like that. Yeah. Which is why Street Fighter feels as good as it does. Right. You know, with the hit stop and stuff. That's also that. I mean, hit stop is also a really big reason why NRS games really never jived with me because the hit stop was so minimal on yeah. a lot of the attacks. For a so, game that is, yeah, I agree with that. For a game that is built on its brutality, all of the hits to me have always felt soft. Right. It's just they're too fluid with each other. You don't really get to feel the action. It's not yeah. directed. It's directed like an American movie, action movie, instead of an Asian action movie. Is what maybe a good way to put it. Um, that that but, tracks. That tracks. Yeah. So with Neo G, uh, if you, I can't find the source anymore for it but if you look at his resume he you see his descent his fall from grace into doing more and more irrelevant jobs within capcom to the point where near the end before his departure in like 2016 I think he he really left it. He left it like really the very beginning of 2016, um, when Street Fighter Six, right before Street Fighter Six Five released. I'm sorry. He was working on designing manuals. And and Phoenix Wright, yeah, his attorney, Spirit of Justice. Yeah, it's it's like oh, Resident Evil Revelations too. You know, he's working on the manual design for that Devil May Cry manual design. You know, it's just like. My favorite. Uh, Super, thing. Oh, Super Street Fighter Four. Special thanks. <laughs> special thanks. Yeah, it's just a special thanks. That's all you get. Yeah. Uh, for making designing the game, and like, again, a game is built by many people. We can't accredit the full success or failure of a product based on one person's efforts. Uh, it's kind of want to bring that up, but we can. I think we can bring up the influence that a person would have on a team like that. When you have someone with the knowledge base that they have and you have someone that just gets the game feel right so many times, like you could look at their history and go, oh yeah, here, here, and here of these classic video games that people still play today and love today competitively. He's dipped, he's, he's dipped his pen in that ink. Stipped his pen in the company ink, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm. I do want to bring up that my favorite thing in the credits for uh, for Neo G is that for for KOF 14, he's just credited as Neo G, Neo G <laughs> as Neo G, which Neo to G. me is just we we have here is our Neo G uh, as as played by Neo G. So thank you, Neo G. It's, so it's very fun yeah. to me. Um. In from what I heard about Neo G's final days at Capcom, he would be he had a lot of, he has a lot of friends at SNK and you know mm-hmm. elsewhere in the industry for being in the industry as long as he has right, yeah. and he would just be complaining about how much he hated working at Capcom and they're just like you know what fuck it why are you still there just just come over well we like we could absolutely use you we're we're working on another king of fighters we've got samurai showdown in the works like just get the fuck over here so he did <laughs> that's exactly what he did mm-hmm. and that so he already had that job lined up at snk right before he left capcom because of his friends over there and the other thing i need to mention is that in japanese work culture there is a concept known as a, a window seat and 
it's kind of the well you're you've done too much for us to fire you right it it would look bad on us to fire you right mm -hmm. so you're gonna get this useless job you, you still get paid but we're gonna give you this useless job right next to the window and it's ironic because in america we think of having a window seat office as being a sign of prestige but in japan it's the exact opposite it is where you get out you get put out the pasture and you just stare out the window all day because there's no work for you to really do and that's essentially what his his last assignments at capcom were there basically he would just get he was assigned a window seat and that's why he was so unhappy so to kind of recap what we've been talking about specifically with seth killian and neo g is that these two gentlemen who have who worked tirelessly to make this game a quality product uh Seth being hated of the bunch for <clears throat> forcing people to remake huge swaths of the game uh, no longer with the company anymore have been pushed out for what I'll just say is reasons general reasons I think that we're safe by saying that that's a that's a nice way of putting it I suppose uh, that these two people who are very fucking good at what they do uh, and to have the chops to show for it uh, being excluded from high level decisions on follow up products because after Street Fighter 4 launched there were other games that launched so let's, yeah. take, a, let's take a look at that for a second uh, let's talk about Ono's next uh, production credit which is Street Fighter Cross Tekken hmm uh, I don't know how much we want to dig into Street Fighter Cross Tekken. It's kind of fun to meme on these days. It ended up playing good. I know there are some things and some rumors that we could maybe... But again, I call it rumors, but it's like we heard from people that work directly with them. So is it rumors? Yeah. Or is it us blowing up a spot of someone who is probably still under an NDA? Again, dancing around weird topics here, but mostly from what we know about uh, Street Fighter Cross Tech. And the big thing that made people... It, it was almost funny to me thinking back about the reasons why Street Fighter Cross Tekken was hated by the community. Uh, so when I say the launch of Street Fighter Cross Tekken, what are, what are some of the things that come to... What are the big complaints that come to mind for you? DLC on the disc? It's on the, the disc! Our life is on the disc! Like, like, why? Here's the thing. Like, as a developer apologist, I think I, I would slot myself into that position of, like, I think that video games cost a lot to make, and we should probably be paying more for the products that we buy. I think sure. that. Sure. We've paid $60 for a game for, for AAA Chattel for how long? Longer than we probably ought to have. Because Since the takes, 80s? Yeah, like, where is... The way that money is moving around in industries now gets weird because of that, because it's like, uh, how much of that is, like, on marketing versus, like... It gets fucking weird, okay? But at the same time, I want to say that if people put in work for a game and think that 
this product is valued at a certain price. Sure, I don't know. But also the whole, it's on the disc and on the gem system and the way that... Oh, the gem it, system. The way that it, it... It is so much so that on the launch of UMVC or uh, MVCI, they specifically were... I remember like Combo Fee being like, they're not gems. These are stones. <laughs> These are like, they'd be like everybody on like any set that everybody was on, like any time there was any talk about that game. It was like, these are stones. Get it right. These are not <laughs> gems. These are not gems. Combo Fiend. That's another name that we, that's out of scope. We didn't, we didn't talk about Combo Fiend before we started recording and what we can or cannot talk about. With he works at Marvel with now, Peter. so okay. it's, uh, it's out of scope. Yeah. All right. Uh, but Different. I'll just say that man suffered don't like one of so many like that's the other thing to think of is that being in the seat that that i have kind of been in as a moderator of our street fighter we like to have open communication with the u.s side of capcom and i said at the top of the show but it's been a revolving door since yeah. 2007 like the people in those positions it is a rarity for them to last more than two years it is rare like yeah that shit didn't happen I don't know if I can name one person who's been there longer than two years. Hmm. You're right. Damon, yeah. maybe? Well. Regardless. Anyway, anyway. anyway. Yeah. So, so SFXT comes out. The launch is, uh, is widely hated. It's got the auto combos because Ono can't combo. It's got all of this stuff that is mostly hated is the first game that he produced like the one that he like really was gonna be proud of and then it just it it tanks it almost had pay to win gems too yeah that's the like it it was gonna have pay to win and then that had changed late in the game because it was just it's games in general at that time were beyond that point for them to be like aha fighting games pay to win yes it just it never it was never going to work no and like it was such like a you know how like I don't know if anyone has been in this position at work uh, maybe I have because like I'm old but like older now I suppose but like being a younger person at a company and then like a boss being like, Hey, should we have a Facebook? Should we get on the Facebook? It felt like that, right? Like that level yeah. of, Hey, I see this working in another. Should we do this here? Let's put a Facebook in our game. Can we put a, can we put a Facebook in our game? <laughs> Is that possible? It felt like it was already too late, like aged for its time. Regardless, it comes out tanks. Not great. Ono uh, gets sick, of course, for a little bit there. Uh, but then, uh, gosh, where are we at on our timeline? I've kind of lost well, the, the thread on I mean, the you timeline mentioned, here. I mean, you, at some point you did mention Marvel. Yes, and so we could talk about Marvel now. So I think the best resource or the best reference for those goings-ons with Ono and his uh, involvement with the Marvel series is our very own Maximilian. I think he did a wonderful job of mm. of recapping all of those uh, rumors and things like that going on, which uh, I'm sure his sources are just as reliable as 
my sources are for a lot of the stuff that happened at Capcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I believe it because it it's consistent. It is consistent over the course of what over a decade of this management style, and um, even going into Street Fighter Five. Maybe it's time for that. Um, there was a producer for Street Fighter Five. Yeah, I, I guess before we we talk directly about Street Fighter, I I guess we should just push people towards look at what Max has said about the Marvel yes. series. Yes, uh, yes. Over the last week or so, uh, I might even try to grab those links and put them here. It was one of those things that before we hit record on this, like right before we hit record, I was like. Oh shit! We talk. We should talk to Max too, right? Oh, let me get Max on the line, and then a baby just cried into a phone for a half hour. Yeah. It was like, oh, it was like the video games woke my baby. Ah! Uh, baby rage, and, and then that's how. God, I love Max. He's great. Uh, he's just a great human being. But with that said, look up all that stuff. You kind of want the again, again, like we are talking about here, and the frustrations that I heard in his voice when he was trying to explain his his viewpoint mm. of this whole story is that it is this, this, this oral history that is passed from like gender. I don't want to say gender cause that's fucking lame. I was about to say passed from generation to generation. But, <laughs> all right. But regardless, go, uh, go listen to that and his opinions on that. He's, he's a reliable source. And I could say that I would trust the, the places where he might have heard things from or things that he has heard from firsthand, let's say uh, sure. that it could, that you or I could both confirm that like that is, I trust his sources. I, tr- yeah, we trust where information came from, let's say without being openly like this person said this at this time. And I have it on lock. Cause then like, maybe we get someone fight. Like, no, we're not trying to do that. It's just like a general feeling of like, yeah, this is, this checks out. Yeah. But regardless, let's talk Street Fighter V. Let's talk 2016. Mm. February of 2016, the game is launched. Two months later, we're down a man. Who is that? (laughs) Well, Neo G, that's when Neo G's departure was announced. But he really left right before Street Fighter V came out. Capcom did not want to go public with that information for months because of how much um, clout Neo G's name carried. Mm-hmm. So that was announced on April 1st of 2016, and I actually thought it was a goddamn joke. I was like, ah, April Fool's! I was like, nope, nope, it, that, mm-hmm. that's real. That mm-hmm. actually happened. And then- it was... It was one of those things, again, before we started recording, talking about what things were like at the time of, I I also remember that being like that, that April Fool's, like, hi, April 1st. But then also, because that was two months after the launch of Street Fighter V, I specifically remember that that's about the time that it took for them to get spectator lobbies open because it was just <laughs> 1v1 so it was like two months after launch where it was like hey spectator lot like it's you can have eight people now and also neog has gone by Th- thanks it, it, like it was it was like here's some really good news for the like our product is growing and maybe like i had an announcement about story mode at that time i think 
but again, this is all like we. This isn't like documented. I can't like we we couldn't look at a timeline before this. This was all us being like, yeah, I remember that being the feeling around that time of like it was really weird, and then to find out that he had been hadn't been there for a whole two months, then it's like, what the fuck is he oh, going on? Yeah, yeah, and also, who's the other person I wanted to bring? Ah, yes, yes, um, Sugiyama. Yes. So. This is not the the necro player Sugiyama. This is a a gentleman, a, another producer on Street Fighter Five by the name of Koichi Sugiyama, mm. and he was also uh, allegedly power harassed by Ono. Um, one of like just the latest of many many people who got you know, who just got henpecked by Ono throughout their careers at Capcom, and. So my source tells me that, uh, or from what I hear, basically there's a, an exit interview where he was like, Ono's like, so you're you're just gonna you're just gonna go back home and leave Capcom to do like what? You're this is the being a producer on Street Fighter is like the best thing you'll have ever done in your in your career. You're never gonna amount to anything better than this. And it's basically it's like, yeah, what what the fuck else are you gonna do? And I think Sugi, I think Sugiyama is now working at like a really big, like one of the, some other really big company. So he's doing well for himself, fortunately. But it was just like, oh no, it was just like, yeah, I mean, like this was your dream job. Like you're gonna leave this. Like what else are you gonna do? And of course, I'm paraphrasing. I can't use you know original sources and stuff. But again, that. That's just another example of you know how he got forced out. And in case you don't know who uh, Koichi Sugiyama is, there's if you yeah, if you Google it, bit, yeah. if you Google his name, you'll find um, you know his history at Capcom and, and things that he's done. Um, and he also did a a pretty good actually the, the first Koichi Sugiyama you'll find is a composer for like the Dragon Quest series. So actually, oh, yeah, you have to dig. You have to, yes, Capcom. You have to dig a little bit. The, the Capcom Koichi, not the other one. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that uh, that happens. Yeah. I forgot about that. So, um, so the other Sugiyama uh, <laughs> actually. So he actually did an interview with um, a Japanese publication called GameSpark and mm-hmm. was talking about how um, how they originally in the beginning were going to go with like a photorealistic, more like proportionate uh, style of Street Fighter V. And then they were like, oh, you know what? Maybe this doesn't work so well. And you actually see a lot of the same design aesthetic and philosophy reflected in Capcom's GDQ talk where well not G, was it not no GDC not GDQ the game developer conference talk where yeah not game so quick <laughs> not game so quick you, you, like I was like that had the right cadence but I don't think that's right <laughs> no no go ahead um, and also uh, I believe Event Hub's actually posted a translation and excerpts from from this interview mm-hmm. but uh yeah he he went into a whole bunch of stuff in regards to street fighter 5's development 
uh, like the process and how they were like, well, we were, we we're going to do the photorealism idea, but then I guess we just did not. So basically you can see he legitimately had involvement uh, from the get-go of production with Street Fighter V. He's not just an, a name that I'm just, you know, pulling out of my ass. Mm-hmm. That That almost like, that reminds me because around that time of development, that was also when like people were thinking about Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Do you remember that game? <laughs> that isn't oh, isn't a yes. game anymore. Where like mm-hmm. it was like a photo. There was like a photorealistic Ryu, and everyone was like, mm, "Nah, nah, son. I don't know about that one, Chief. Like that's <laughs> that ain't right. That 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 Ryu don't look good. Put that away." And then they were just like, "Yeah, you're right. We'll just put Akuma in Tekken Seven. We'll, that'll be <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. And he looks good in that game, but he does. Um, He's also broken <laughs> as fuck." Yeah, nerf him a little bit. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> he's a little, a little his damage a little bit. He's, he's okay. We'll be all right. Uh, but like that was the the general feel at the time in terms of like what people thought the direction of what like people in charge thought the direction of fighting games should be until things were turned around and then we got this whole like paintbrush art style that kind of carry over from four to kind of mix with the the realistic. Uh, models that they'd already kind of built uh, it the interview kind of gets into that uh, but that was I guess the only source that we have of his input on that game because it's really hard to find all this like, like here is what this person did on this thing yeah oh uh, there was one other project that I'm sure everyone has forgotten about in regards to Capcom type stuff and that is Ultra Street Fighter 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> so, from what I understand, um, Capcom lost the source code for Street Fighter 2, which, you know, it's an old game. That happened. Like, that's not, it, like, that's not a, like uncommon thing at all uncommon thing at all like especially for older games like they were just fucking out like like (laughs) like what happened like blizzard lost the the source code masters for starcraft until someone found it at a garage sale or something fucking wild stories dude yeah (laughs) i mean like these things happen right some of that stuff was just deleted like they because they were like well we don't need the hard drive we need these to save some other shit so we're or the hard drive broken who has the backups Uh, Eh, we don't need the backups after five years whatever uh, yeah like all like for a number of reasons like of people who are making things in the past and like the cost of materials in the past and like what it like the physical things that you needed to make a game like it yeah. Like nothing and, on anyone who was doing stuff back then of like they should have archived properly or like done shit like that. But it's like uh, there's, uh, there's yeah, this was so long ago. Yeah, like might have been untenable at the time to to do something like that. Who who can yeah. say why? But regardless, regardless, was, so code was the lost. source. Yeah, so the code was lost, and there was an intern. It was an intern at Capcom who whipped up a basically a remaster or remake of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, or Street Fighter 2X is the Japanese version. And because, you know, he really loved the game. And so the other guys are like, 
hey kid i want to be a star <laughs> and we're like all right let's make this into a real product um you know slap together from this proof of concept and that's why you know it doesn't really have the polish per se or the fanfare or like really i don't know how accurate the game is but it kind of goes to show you how little like in terms of resources and stuff that capcom gave this particular project right as well as there's a couple and i'll go ahead well i was just gonna say gus i think that we can compare that at a time where this is the same company that's putting out those Mega Man collections, which I don't know if you've ever touched the Mega Man collections, uh, but they've got like, it's, there's like a whole bunch of concept art of like here and explanations of like, here was like a, a drawing contest for kids to decide what was going to be a boss in this game. And so uh, yes. it just shows like a whole bunch of backstory and stuff. And it's, it's more than just the game itself. And like the ways that you can interact with it are, they did stuff to it that makes sense when you bring an old game into a modern environment, let's say to kind of give it the credence that one might say that the game deserves, which is not what happened for street fighter two, <laughs> so to speak uh, in so many words, but what were you going to say though? I, I, th- I feel like I cut you off. Oh, uh, the other thing I was going to say is, uh, speaking of, I guess, remasters and remakes and stuff, that, um, yeah, like, Darkstalkers also had somewhat of a, wouldn't say, like, a full-blown remaster, but just sort of, like, a a collection that had come out, and that didn't do very well either. It's like Capcom just didn't really seem to care, or somebody in Capcom just didn't really seem to care about, like some of these old franchises getting the the love and care that they deserve which is really really a shame hi we're back after after i said <laughs> too, after i said too much <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, but, but here we are though in in the year 2020 ono announces that he will no longer be with the company and after he was relegated to the esports uh, division as a figurehead, so to speak. Yeah, remember, which... remember that thing I said about window seats, about getting, oh, about yeah. having that window seat position. Isn't it kind of ironic that the exact same fate that Neo G had during his final days at Capcom also ended up becoming Ono's? Yeah, the, isn't that the funny? Fate, the fate of the people who have moved the genre forward uh, did not reflect kindly on on Ono in his final days. Let's maybe say, uh, but you know, it's history. It rhymes. It rhymes. You know, it's one of those. It's like the. It's like the the prequels. You know, it rhymes. Um, regardless, though. I mean, I don't want to, I'm like, we're not, again, I do kind of want to say that we're not here to like wish him any ill will and be like, I hope you fucking die. Like, no, that's irresponsible. Not at all. This is all a, this is what things in the, this is what the feel of the time, this was like the spirit of the time at Capcom over the last decade or so. And of stories that are corroborated between numerous people and, 
even again talking with you before we hit record and of the stuff I needed to edit out is that like yeah it just it all lines up in a way that there was stifled creativity and stifled opportunity for what things could potentially have been which gets me excited for the future in a way of I hope that things are moving forward when I see for example uh Personally, when I see that Capcom Fighters has a lot of leash on what they are able to throw their ass behind as a as a like a brand Twitter account, I'm like, Man, fucking that shit would not have fly like uh, like five years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it, it would not have this would not have been this way. So there you know, is, you know what else? By the way, you know what else uh, never flew and should never, ever fly ever are rootkits that are installed without your permission in games. Man, I can't. I'm still mad about that. I I know. It's one of those, like, he never firmly grasped why that was a bad idea. But it was, it's just, it's just one of those things where you see over and over again a history of where things go bad and where internally things tend to point to the point where if the idea of this character who walks out on stage and has the whole crowd yelling Shoryuken in front of the biggest fighting game tournament and maybe not everybody even plays Street Fighter in this location where it's just everybody is on board, let's fucking go. Changing the the public conception of that, I I don't want to change it. Like, if you want to love him, like, fucking go ahead. Like, someone's personal life can be so different from their private life or their, their work life where what they can do and influence is different from, you know, almost like removing the, the art from the artist. Right. In a sense, maybe a little bit different because we're working with like code and public figures. But what I'm trying to say is though, like just, I don't want to hear people only give Ono credit when there were so many other people who like actually fucking <laughs> dug that shit like from like from the toe from the laces being like I saved this like here we are and I just all of last week not really hearing Seth Killian's name really fucking irked me yeah. a little bit and I yeah had, I did same so, so I had to get on the mic with you and kind of rant about some old man shit and and be a little bit honorary about how the past had been represented and maybe provide a a brief oral history for those of you who who weren't present at the time which it, again as i stated at the top of the show is the majority of the people who are in the community now and like also again if that's you like i'm not this is not an indictment of people who like light and want to celebrate his work. Like fine. Like fucking I'm, I'm not here to yuck yums. Go right ahead. Like that's fine. And also I'm not going to hate someone for not knowing the things that they don't know. Like this is not a personal, like if you like this person that fuck you No, like we're just trying to get a better picture of what things were like over the past decade. And I think that we've, I think we've accomplished that for the most part while dancing around some of the stuff that we can't actually speak to. Sure. Unless there's anything else that you feel like you would like to add to the, to the conversation. I mean, I mean, I'll just say like all of your, your favorite producers of games, they've, you know, made unpopular decisions and things like that. I am sure that 
there are you know there's Foxy, one of my favorite third strike players is molest kids so like that's that's oh god yeah we don't na- we don't call him out by oh, name here yep, on this yep. on this anymore so yeah fuck man Shit like happens. sometimes you can't you know, speak someone's name into a microphone I mean, anymore well i was just gonna say like take uh hideo kojima for example right yeah. there are the multiple accounts yeah there are multiple accounts of him basically making other good talent at konami leave because his projects were sucking up the the budgets dry Mm -hmm. and not to mention maybe a brain drain like maybe he was cherry picking some of the best people from those pro from certain projects and letting the rest of the projects kind of like go to waste like i've heard a couple stories about that but you know is it was it ultimately worth it and that's that's kind of a well you know i love his work but i will also acknowledge you know he he may have made decisions that have negatively impacted the careers of others you know oh no the, i'm sure what costs yeah yeah what were the costs at what cost right yeah. like i'm sure that street fighter 5 i know the cost or like <laughs> i know the cost and it was edited out of this show i know the cost or like i know i know but it's just i'm just gonna say that you know with street fighter 5 and and with ono in particular like we may not know all the decisions that he's made and at what costs. Right. Well, some of us might not know, but I. But he's, you know, I'm not going to take away the work that he has done. You know, he's certainly, you know, put his own blood, sweat, and tears into it. And I hope that whatever new uh, ventures and projects that he's involved within, that he's learned and grown from you know from his experiences and hopefully not be so um so difficult with his team and or have certain for lack of a better term uh toxic management strategies yeah perhaps yeah yeah. and if and whatever his next project maybe i i wish him the best on it all right well with that i think that'll do it i think that's a show uh but before i let you go mm-hmm. uh it's been long enough i feel like i could ask you this question and maybe get a separate answer but uh tell me or what's your favorite normal attack in any fighting game in any f- a normal attack. Normal attack. Well, it could be anything. I've let people answer this as like special move or maybe even a super, but like. Oh no no! I, I like, like this. A one, a one thing. I like this restriction. I will say. Makoto. Crouching short. Okay. It was it was a toss up. I was gonna guess two. It was either between crouch short, and stand medium punch. Stand medium punch is like a good move. Crouching medium kick is also a good ass move. But crouching short, it's it's funny in the way that it's balanced because it's negative on hit. But you can actually punish it with a super if she doesn't cancel it. Hmm. It reaches out absurdly far for a four frame normal. At that's a low attack of all things. And 
it also moves her hurt box her her actual torso upwards it moves that hurt box backwards to the point where it can make some some overheads with like ken's back medium kick and third strike like his medium kick hits two frames later if she does wake up low short she just gets to poke him out unless right. like the low short somehow misses it's, it because of weird hurt box hitbox interactions yeah yeah so it's just one of those things where it really made me appreciate that whoever designed Makoto with all of her hitbox and stuff, they they really, really put in the work for this character to where like even even a button as simple as like crouching short had so much like utility and thought put and balance put into it. Mm -hmm. So that's so, fine. Sometimes I think that. And then other times I'm like, did they just shoot from the hip and then say, wow, that turned out good? Well, invincibility frames on standing medium uh, or on neutral headbutt throw certainly turned out that way because uh, that was an accident. It's like some, sometimes you get happy accidents in fighting. Maybe not so much anymore. Maybe it's a lot more like known quantities. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Regardless good answer what's second part of the question what's your favorite combo in any fighting game oh that's an easy one that makoto's 100 stun combo okay <laughs> okay that thing <laughs> that although i haven't really been doing the grab choke combo anymore i've just no. been doing raw supers yeah i saw that you were labbing like your dash forward supers how's that going yeah. for you um i think of the last set i ran I I literally landed two raw supers in the same round and killed someone. The thing that gets me, and I was like kind of pissed at like at you whenever I found that you had discovered this at, at the time and date, at the year of our Lord twenty twenty, that you could buffer the quarter circle forward before the dash. It's a weird way to do it because. It's a little weird, sure, but like... Because you have to do a dragon punch for the second motion to get the dash to come out. Yeah, because you have to hit the forward. Right. And then you don't complete the the dragon punch motion. Like, it's not a second quarter circle. It's forward, down, to down, forward. You never complete the, the actual quarter, second quarter circle. Short That's the part rough. that threw me... That's the part that threw me off. Okay. I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, is it like your wonderment with this whole thing was like, bro, shouldn't you like, it, to me, it seemed like the obvious solution that you should have like had earlier, but then watching the videos of like, I can't fucking do this shit. And then like mentally being like one after the other being like, got it, nailed it. <laughs> so folks at home, that's just another reminder that sometimes you can ease up your inputs and do the, the least amount of motions possible to have the most optimized success. Anyway, I'm not sure if those words make sense <laughs> in, a line, in a line back to back to one another, but damn, did it feel good coming out. Anyway, that's what she said. Uh, that's a show. <laughs> Arliath, again, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Fightcade. <laughs> sure, sure. Can they find you on Parsec? Is that? Are we getting I have not. These days? I have not hopped on a parsec, but it intrigues me greatly. Uh, I do want to mess around with that a little bit. Yeah, but no, um, that's why I didn't really bring it up during the show. And we're covering a different topic, but yeah. Here we are. But but definitely, you can find me on Fightcade too. Uh, I I do show up in there. I also found Gutex, old man Gutex, on there as well, Ooh. as well as Li Joe. Gutex is Gutex twenty twenty, 
It's really him. I verified it. Man, that's going to blow up a spot like that? Well, I mean, I have to because he beat me in a set. So I'm obligated. I'm obligated to say he might be back. Uh, but that's how, I mean, that's how good the Fight K2 experience has been for me. So really give it a shot. Give it a shot. You know, hit me up on Twitter. I'm still Arliath on Twitter and on YouTube, but you can you can ask me and I'll I'll help you get set up and you know join a party. It's it feels fucking amazing. That run ahead secret sauce, oh my god. <laughs> I hope going forward that Capcom fucking implements run ahead, fully realizes how how revolutionary this concept is. Because run ahead was also I need to rant, but Project M like implemented run ahead. Fight K two with FB Neo implements run ahead, and that shit literally erases input lag. You gotta put that shit in 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 the next Street Fighter. It's it's too good. Any fighting game, I don't give a shit. It could be it, it could be like them fighting herds too. I, I I don't care. It needs to be in every fighting game from now on. That's how good this technology is. <laughs> uh man, that's funny. I just stepped away from the mic for a second just because I knew <laughs> it was. I had nothing to add to that. <laughs> you right. You right. With that though, that's a show. Good to be back in the chair again. I'll have to edit some of that stuff out. So it might take a little bit longer to get out, but. It's been a pleasure to, to have you on the show again, Eliath. It's been too long since I talked to you before, uh, and it will likely be too long before I talk to you again. Uh, <laughs> but thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate uh, you coming through and talking about the talking about the old old times. Talking about thank the... you for thank you for thank you for giving me the chance and uh, for having me. Before there was the written word, there was, <laughs> there was <laughs> oral tradition. Anyway, uh, that's a show. I'm Joe Monday, Super Joe Monday on Twitter.com or at RedSF on Twitter.com or just hop on our Street Fighter and see what's good. Look forward to the next Queens of Quarantine, which is coming up next month. Um, listen in for more details on that. I think it's coming up on the 5th. Uh, but we're going to have a little bit more time to prepare for all that stuff. It was a huge success um, last month, and we're hoping to, to make a big this next time. Looking forward to it. Uh, and then also that Only Dan's charity tournament. <laughs> Perhaps who can say? Who can say? I'm just gonna kind of I'm gonna tease that one out a little bit, much like they are teasing out the release date of Dan. Where I, it's the fall. It's the fall. Is it the fall now? I have no fucking clue what what season it is. Is it autumn yet? Have we passed the no. solstice? No. We have not. Okay. All right. I need to figure out my pegging calendars and figure this shit out, and maybe sacrifice some fucking developers for the next game. I I do anyway. That's a show. Thank you all for joining us. Maybe I'll be next, back next week. Maybe I won't be. Maybe go fuck yourself. Anyway, that's a show. <laughs> Cheers, folks. Good night. Hey.